0: Good afternoon. If you have your copy of God's Word handy, you can be turning to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. Let me remind you that uh, one reason we're having this particular lesson tonight or this afternoon is because next Sunday will be our fifth Sunday and the elders decided at the beginning of this year that at least for this year we would take our fifth Sundays and use them as a time of singing. So next Sunday we'll have a uh, afternoon we'll have a singing service and of course uh, short devotional thought and invitation at the end of our service, but hope that you can stay and, and be a part of that. Uh, most everybody's already said it's a lot easier to stay awake through the singing service than it is through the sermons after lunch. We un- understand that, but we enjoy getting to do that. We've missed doing that with the North Hamilton folks now uh, since the pandemic began, but thankful we can spend some time in that. As you're turning there to the book of Daniel, uh, just a reminder that this lesson is a part of our book of the month uh, club or Book of the Month series that we've been looking at now for, I guess, going on almost four years uh, total, looking at a, a book, a particular book of the Bible each month, trying to dig into it just a little bit. I've shared with you before uh, that that idea came from uh, one of my best friends and fellow preachers, uh, Brother Chad Dollahi, that preaches down in Bremen. Uh, that's significant because Chad's in laws are with us today. Most of you have gotten to uh, visit and greet Roger and Donna Campbell uh, being here with us this afternoon, and we're thankful for them. Um, I always uh, emphasize how much Roger's meant to me and how much they've been in our, uh, how important they've been in our lives as he's helped me getting uh, into the ministry and working and with sermons and working together at Bible Camp and uh, just appreciate them so much. We continue to try to emphasize the school of preaching that they have on Monday nights there at Greenslake Road and also the Truth publication that we put out there on the table for you each month. Roger's been instrumental in that for so long and just appreciate and love them. Uh, so very much and the opportunities they've given including the opportunity to speak at their meeting a month or so ago I'm just glad that I didn't choose that lesson for this afternoon when they showed up So uh, I've been saving that one for you guys you know, those of you that weren't there So uh, but no just appreciate so much all that they've done But uh, yeah their son-in-law uh, Chad we've gone to camp together And he had told me as I was getting into preaching that he had done this over the course of course for several years It takes a while if you just do one a month But hopefully it's been encouraging as we've thought about several books Uh, working our way just from kind of front cover to back cover if you were with us almost four years ago now uh, we covered the book of Daniel and that was kind of because of Roger as well as I got into uh, work here and teaching on Wednesday night we had spent that last summer at camp studying the book of Daniel with our young people and so as the elders said well you know you're welcome to teach whatever you'd like to teach on Wednesday nights here in the auditorium I said well I just taught Daniel. I think I'll just use that, and we'll study Daniel on Wednesday night. Little did I know that Roger, in all his wisdom, had only focused on the first few chapters of Daniel with the kids and had left all the back half of the book out because it's heavy stuff. We'll get there in just a moment, but we worked through all of that, so hopefully you've had some study. You are familiar somewhat with Daniel, uh, but we're going to talk about that for just a few moments this afternoon. I didn't include this in your outline, but this is one of the slides that we usually put up to remind ourselves that each book has a human author. And there are some times where we know that for sure. There are other times in which so-called scholars will debate maybe who actually wrote the book. Uh, but yes, in the sense, it's written by the Holy Spirit, by inspiration of God. But the human author, in this sense, is, is Daniel. No uh, tricks or, or anything to try to, to pull with that. Uh, but Daniel wrote this book. we talked, when we've talked recently about Ezekiel and Jeremiah over the last few months, it's interesting to realize that Daniel was kind of part of a three-man circuit, if you will. As the children of Israel had been taken away into captivity, uh, serving punishment, in a sense, if you will, for not being faithful to God. There were some who were in the homeland, back home, and were dealing with Jeremiah, or maybe a better way to say it is Jeremiah was dealing with them, trying to preach God's word to them. Ezekiel would have been among the captives, as we covered Ezekiel recently. And then Daniel was actually in, would have been in the palace, so to speak. That's the way I chose to word it there. But he would have been in the royal court. And so no matter who you were or where you were, you had the word of God that could be preached among you. And that's just really important for us to be reminded of and to be encouraged by. Uh, Sometimes when we think about what people will call this old book that's dusty and old and people don't want to live by it anymore. But God has always made a way for his people to know his word and his instructions. And even during this time of captivity, even during this time when things were kind of, I guess in an upheaval, you might say they still, no matter where they were on that sort of timeline or in which part of the world they were in, they had a man of God who was going to be able to speak to them, and Daniel was certainly a part of that. I don't know if you've ever considered Daniel's age before. We touched on this a few summers ago when we talked about it, but we usually call him a young man or a teenager I don't mean 18 to say that's exactly how old he was. Might could have put a question mark there, but he would have been around 18 or a young man when he was taken to Babylon. If you opened up to the book of Daniel, that's where you see there in chapter 1 that Daniel and his friends are a part uh, of the king's uh, house there, I guess, if you will, or a part of what's going on. And he would have been a young person. But at the same time, I think the mistake that we sometimes make is we turn over just a few pages and we get over into about chapter 6 there and we think about Daniel in the lion's den and we still picture an 18 or 20-year-old man, almost spry, if you will, that's down in this lion's den dealing with these lions, but, you know, he's still fairly young. But as we really draw out the timeline and we're able to do that with the names of the kings and those who are sort of ruling over the world at this time, if you will, he would have been likely, likely over 90 when he died. In fact, if you're still open there to chapter 1, chapter 1 and verse number 21, chapter 1 concludes there by saying, thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus, so as he continues on, he is uh, going to age. I mean, absolutely, like all of us do, but we kind of had to put that in perspective when we think about exactly who Daniel was and, and what he went through. Uh, one thing I also didn't include in your notes if you have the outline in front of you there, but in chapter nine in verse number 23, he carries a, a special phrase or a special name, if you will. Chapter nine in verse number 23. At the beginning of your supplications, the command went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly beloved. You also see it there in chapter 10, chapter 10, verses 11, and chapter 10, verse 19. 10, verse 11, and 10, verse 19. He is called greatly beloved of God. As we emphasized Joseph this morning, that's important. Joseph is a great character. Many of you told me this afternoon how much you appreciate the story of Joseph and the things that we talked about Daniel fits into that category you know Daniel is one of those stories we use that term you know to, to talk about what we know of him but Daniel's one of those characters that's easy to talk to our children about our young people about uh, you know I don't know if you've ever tried to go over with your kids like at a bible hour at home or something like that the kings and all that takes place with you know through the book of kings it's it's a lot it's kind of heavy there's a lot of good there's a lot of bad really more than good and it's a lot. So Daniel, in the book of Daniel, provides us with some short uh, stories, again, some good things that are easy to, co- to cover. And Daniel is important to us, but he's also called there uh, greatly beloved of God. In fact, one other note we would make here about Daniel, um, as we touched on this morning, he's sort of reminiscent of faithful Joseph. Uh, when we talked about Joseph this morning, there are some similarities there. And so this is who we're talking about when we talk about and think about the book of Daniel. Now, if you have your bulletin or your outline in front of you, let's notice a few things together. First of all, this is a book about periods of history. It's a book about periods of history. In fact, when we, of course, commonly note that, we notice there are four world powers that are mentioned here. The first uh, being the power of Babylon. We know about the children of Israel being uh, carried away into Babylonian captivity. But that's what takes place there in chapter 1 and verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. So Babylon is a big deal and going to play a large part as we get into the story of Daniel. The second group that we see, again, actually in this book is the Medes and the Persians or the Medo-Persian Empire that comes onto the scene and begins to rule as we said, it's interesting to note uh, when we thought even about Joseph this morning that these are the greatest powers in the world. And I think it's a little difficult for us. We draw comparisons. I mean, you hear it in our country, you've heard it over the last, what, six to eight, 10, 12 years during elections and things about our country. Our country is great in a lot of ways. We love our country, we appreciate our freedom. We take that. And we go backwards in our history and we do see that it, for a time our country seemed to be very strong in religious freedom but also in following the Bible or at least believing the Bible in Jehovah God and that kind of thing. And so we hold ourselves up and, and hold up our country and we kind of you know, feel like well God might never let the United States fall or we might not ever face trouble. We might not exactly feel like captives the way they did under these other world powers but as we said this morning. This is still the land of our affliction. This is still a place that is not home as we look for a city and the foundations whose builder and maker is God. It is something that we need to kind of keep in mind even as we look backwards and think about these world powers. I'll go ahead and throw the last two up on the screen there if you're filling out your outline. We think, of course, as well about Greece and about Rome. I have a picture in just a second as you're finishing that in your notes if you have them, Um, but one that you may be familiar with. Pardon me. And if you have your Bible, you want to turn over to Daniel chapter two. We're familiar with Nebuchadnezzar's dream that takes place there, the dream that troubles him, and then later in the chapter, as Daniel is called on and reveals the dream to him and explains the dream to him. You may be familiar with this kind of picture. Now, I know not only due to our projector uh, trouble now here with some of the you know the brightness of it, but also the small smallness of the letters. You're going to have trouble making out a lot of that. Once again, I'd love to share it with you. This is actually uh, borrowed from the World Video Bible School website. I don't remember, Faith, if we ever got this in the mail. They sometimes mail us posters and pictures that they have that you can purchase from the World Video Bible School website. This is one that they, I think, have drawn out. I've seen it in other congregations um, that you can purchase. I had to cut off some of the bottom of it, in fact, to try to make room where you could hopefully make out some of it. So there's a lot of information on here. But you see the Babylonian Empire, the Medo-Persian, the Greek and the Roman Empire. And you can see then the connection to Daniel chapter 2 as he gives these examples. Really, if you're open there, about verse 32 of Daniel chapter 2, he's talking to Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 31, he says, You, O king, were watching. And here is this image. The image head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And then notice as well in verse 34, I, this is what I had to cut off the bottom of the screen. But you watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into, in pieces. And then through verse 35, and the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Uh, as we think about this image and we think about the description and the way that it lays out for us, understanding through prophecy the empires that were going to come onto the scene and their importance, that their order, I mean, if you will, there. Uh, this is a great study that certainly, for the sake of time this afternoon, we won't have time to get into all of it. Uh, but it's important to think about all of that and then the kingdom of God. Uh, and in the days of these kings, the kingdom of God will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. That stone uh, that comes in, that stone that was cut out without hands, that struck all of these others and broke them into pieces and then became this great mountain. It's, It's a wonderful study, and unfortunately, we only have time to touch on it just a moment ago, but this is a book about the periods of history and these kingdoms that were then going to continue to rule for a long time here on the earth. Secondly, and in connection with that, it is a book about prophecy, I just read the beginning of it, but Daniel chapter 2 and verse 44. Daniel 2, 44. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Such a comforting passage for us as we think about the kingdom, as we think about the church being established. We think about Jesus coming and all these these moments of prophecy. if you're making notes there you might, might jot down one more Daniel chapter 7 Daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14. Daniel 7:13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions and behold one like the Son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him, then to him was given dominion and glory. And a kingdom. And notice again at the end of the verse. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. This is a book about prophecy. Now, we tried to wade, the, wade through those waters when we talked about this on Wednesday night. We had a lot of time. You know, we had a lot of things. This was before the pandemic and certainly before we were recording all of those lessons. But it's a good study. It's just difficult to get into in about 30 minutes or so or less. But it is a book about Prophecy. It is also a book, book in the third place about people, a book about people, the trials and triumphs of men of faith. I, I joked a little bit about Roger there for just a moment, but certainly as we think, thought about teaching the young people at Bible camp, it was going to be hard to cover all the book and certainly the back half of the book, which deals with some prophetic matter. But certainly the first part, the stories of Daniel and those three young men that we'll talk about here, Uh, that we talked about this morning, and their triumphs, their trials, what they went through, their faithfulness. It's important, and it's helpful, and we can learn something from them. It's a book about people, of course, Daniel, whose name means God is my judge. Uh, Brian told me this, this afternoon during lunch, as I mentioned this morning, those three young men whose name we don't really remember as the Hebrew name, as we talked about Joseph's names that he was given, Uh, You know, Brian said that one of his teachers in the school of preaching just hammered them and said, If you're going to say Daniel, then you're supposed to also say Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah, because you're keeping the Hebrew names together. But we don't. We usually say Daniel, and then we say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And again, I mean, there's nothing sinful or, or evil intent about that, but it's interesting, even as this morning, as we talked about Joseph, his Hebrew name, naming his son's Hebrew names, but yet also the mention of his Egyptian name or pagan name, we might say. Uh, All of these men are important, and they give us strength as we think about what they went through. And as I mentioned a moment ago, even though we have a time in this country where the persecution maybe was less, if you believed in God, uh, most everybody it felt like believed in God, and now we've seen this shift to where most people don't believe in God or don't want to hear about God, we do feel like sometimes captives or people who are certainly in the minority, as these uh, young men would have been. And so we can take great lessons from what they went through. Uh, a brief outline. First of all, let's note that it's not divided chronologically. If you know your Bible history, if you studied Daniel before, it's not divided in a chronological manner that's just nice and neat. Uh, but it's divided by theme. And so that also helps us when we think about dividing the book up. Because the first section, chapters 1 through 6, we might call historical. Chapter 1, Daniel and his friends are taken into the palace or they're taken into the royal court. They refuse to eat uh, what the king wanted them to eat. If you recall that story, Uh, we may come back to that in just a moment with some lessons, some application for us. Uh, But then they're able to still thrive. Even though they don't do what the king is trying to force them to do, they still thrive in a sense and are elevated. Chapter 2, we've already touched on, is uh, Nebuchadnezzar's dream and that great image that we looked at just a moment ago. Chapter 3 is the fiery furnace, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or again, whichever names uh, you may be familiar with using. Uh, But Nebuchadnezzar sets up that image, and those three young men take a stand in a sense. And will not bow before the image, and so they are put into the fiery furnace and saved through that. Chapter four is the great is another one of Nebuchadnezzar's dreams, but the great story of Nebuchadnezzar being humiliated. We sometimes say being humbled is a better way of saying it. He has this dream, and he recognizes, or it comes about beginning in verse number twenty-eight, recognizing that as he is looking around, all that he has. Do you remember chapter four, verse thirty? The king spoke, saying, Is it not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? And, of course, he is humbled, and by the end of the chapter, he is praising God in a sense. uh, Praising God and and honoring him in a way, uh, sort of after having been humbled. Chapter 5 is uh, Belshazzar. Feast, not to be confused with the name that Daniel is given, the pagan name that Daniel is given. But we're familiar with chapter 5 because there's the handwriting on the wall, right? We use that phrase even today to mean that something is settled. That doesn't just come out of nowhere, out of thin air. It's because of Daniel chapter 5 and those fingers of the hand that are writing the writing on the wall. And then chapter 6, the great story of Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel and King Darius, or King Darius there. And so those are all great. They're well known, and they help us learn about Daniel. But then we do come to the back half of the book, and we might say it's prophetic. Chapter 7 through 12, if you've ever read it on your own, boy, it can probably be a lot to try to take in. Chapter 7 and 8 have four beasts that sort of reference these four kingdoms. There's a ram and a he-goat. There's horns and all these things. It's, it's a lot to study. Chapter 8 deals with the reign of Again, King Darius, um, Daniel has there in Daniel chapter 9 the prophecy of the 70 weeks. You don't have to turn your TV on very much sometimes to hear preachers talk about the 70 weeks. Literally meaning the seventy sevens, seventy sevens, or 70 sets of seven is the literal meaning there. There's lots of debate. There certainly is depending on what you pick up. You might end up thoroughly confused. Uh, But it seems like it's some kind of timeline for when the Messiah would come. That's the reference there as we think about prophecies. And and even the rest of those sections, again, for the sake of time tonight, we won't get into those. But hopefully uh, they can still be encouraging if you're able to read through this. Just the word of caution that, yes, you're going to see a pretty quick change from uh, the first six chapters of history of stories to the prophecies that come at the end. There are a few lessons. Let's go over this one first. I have a few others we'll share, but we, they're not in your outline. There's a few lessons. One of the great ones is that when things go awry, we are still going to serve God. Think about what Daniel, <clears throat> excuse me, what Daniel had to face. Daniel chapter 1, being brought into the court, being told that they were going to eat and partake of the king's delicacies, of the wine which he drank, and go through this training. That seemed like a lot. Kinda of like Joseph, there's a bit of the roller coaster idea here, right? There's a little bit of a, hey, we're captive. This is not good. We're not going to be allowed to do what we should do in serving God. <clears throat> but at the same time, here's some good news that comes along. We are able to to move up in a sense, to have the ear in a way of some of the higher ups in the kingdom. There's the, the fiery furnace where things kind of come back down, and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going to be in trouble, for lack of a better way of saying it, and be put into the fiery furnace. And then yet Daniel rises again. And even in chapter 6, as he has that opportunity to pray, as he has the opportunity to not be faithful to God and go along with what the king has said, even though there are people out to get him, he realizes that he's going to continue serving God. And may we take that lesson. And again, just a a brief mention for just a moment about the country that we live in today, the time period that we live in today, the, the century that we live in today. It's easy to look around and feel like things are just spinning out of control in circles. But just like Daniel had that time, even like Joseph going further back may have had some time, and even like we feel like it sometimes today, things are not going the way we think they should. We can read God's word. We know what he, his desire would be, and they're not going the way that he would desire for them to go. But through all that, we are going to serve God. The, those words uh, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, chapter 3, verse 18, but if not, or even back into verse 17, that our God will deliver us from your hand, but if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Think about Daniel and his idea of a homeland, of a country, of a nation. When we look around us and feel frustrated, we feel like our country is, you know, going, going the wrong way, Daniel's nation was over in a sense. They're scattered, they're captive, but yet it didn't matter. And we preach to our children. I mean, I know many of you do as well. We try to kind of collectively in a sense as a congregation, but we preach to our children. It's as much as depends on you. Uh, Yes, in Romans it talks about living peaceably with all men, but as much as depends on you, you be faithful to God. Even when the country seems out of control, the politicians, your friends, your family, whatever it might be, we are going to serve God. I had a few others that I didn't get into, uh, into the outline, but I'll give you a couple others here. Another lesson we might take and apply to ourselves is that we must determine that we will serve God prior to when temptations come along. Isn't that what ha- happens in Daniel chapter 1? Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank, Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. We must determine that we will serve God, and we must do it before the temptation comes along. You know, I remember growing up as a young person, as a teenager, uh, that seemed to only come along sometimes when it came to being with members of the opposite sex, the opposite gender, that, that kind of thing, right? You've you got to plan ahead of time. You shouldn't be alone, and you just got to, to be prepared. Not allow yourself to get into the moment of temptation and then make your mind up. Well, I think that was fair. I think that was true. But if that's the only way that we talk about that, then we're going to find ourselves in a lot of trouble. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, You know, sometimes with these lessons, we like to make an Old Testament reference and a New Testament reference. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 10 through 20, Paul gives us a great reminder that the whole armor of God is not going to be something that's beneficial to us if in the moment of battle, we run over and pick it up and start trying to throw it on. Because odds are, if you do it that way, you're going to probably be dead before you can even get it on. Or you might get the helmet on or the breastplate or something on and take you know, a bullet or an arrow in that sense to another, you know, vital part of your body. We can't just throw it on hastily and feel like that's going to protect us. When Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God, it's that we may be able to stand, that we may be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. It's that decision ahead of time that Daniel had to make. I'm not just going to flip a coin and see what's going to happen. I'm not going to wait until the moment when the, the chief of the eunuchs or the king is standing a foot away from me telling me what to do. I'm going to purpose in my heart. And there's a great practical application for us there. An, another lesson, the idea that ungodly people can be impressed and humbled by the power of God. We've already talked about Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel chapter 4, but certainly Sometimes people that we might never imagine, we might call them ungodly, they can be impressed and humbled by the power of God. You never know when that door might be opened, in a sense, to talk to someone because of what, whatever might take place. It's sad to say, but sometimes we think about that in the means of tragedy. We often, many of us who are a little older, reference back to 9-11. We think back to that moment and the way our country had a little bit of a change there. We unfortunately sometimes think about things like school shootings or even other kind of shootings, mass shootings here in our country, and somebody might turn towards God when the tragedy happens. But yes, ungodly people can be impressed and humbled by the power of God, even someone like a king. How often do we pray for our president or for our politicians, whoever it might be, to turn back and listen to God through his word? How amazed would we be if that actually happened with some of them? But how thankful could we be? You know, another New Testament reference, you remember in Acts chapter 16? In Acts chapter 16, verses 25 through 34, we talk about the Philippian jailer. Do you ever wonder what was going through his mind when he left home that day to go to work? When he showed up at the office, so to speak, Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns at midnight, and here is someone who we don't know much about. I mean, maybe he wasn't totally ungodly. Maybe he was living a a good moral life, we might say, but yet is impressed and humbled by the power of God through Paul and Silas, what takes place there, and he and his family are baptized that night and he brings Paul and Silas to the house, and it's, they're rejoicing, having believed in God with all his household. We never quite know what will happen, and we should always do our best not to discount people, but to try to be willing to bring up God and his power, because you never know when that might happen. And then fi- uh, finally this afternoon, we can be reminded from the book of Daniel that regular, private, sincere prayer, regular prayer, Private, sincere prayer is a vital part of the godly life. Even as Daniel is aging, even as Daniel has gone through things already and there is something that's just over the horizon there in chapter 6, he is a man of prayer. In fact, we love to point out I just, I, I just love to think about the fact that they knew how to trap him because they knew where he would be and they knew what he would be doing. You know, there's a big challenge there as preachers like to step on toes sometimes for all of us to think about. Could somebody catch you being in the services of the church? Or might they show up and say, well, I'm not sure if they're there or not going to be there or not. I don't know if they'll be a part of the men's Bible study or the ladies Bible study or whatever other things are going on. And I know none of us have 100% attendance at everything and all those things. I don't mean that. But they knew what Daniel would be doing. They knew where he would be. They knew it was a part of his life, and so they knew exactly where to hit him, so to speak. Regular, private, sincere prayer is a vital part of the godly life. Once again, the Apostle Paul would speak about it this time in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 through 18. We know verse 17, pray without ceasing, but also verse 18, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Are we people of God? Prayer? Are we people of regular prayer, private prayer, sincere, personal times of prayer? Daniel gives us a great example of that, and may we learn from him. I would challenge you, as we've worked our way through all these books, I know you can't make out, I can't even from here, exactly all the names there on the sides, on the spine of the books there, but as we've worked our way through the Old Testament, we thought a lot about what each book can mean to us, even the ones sometimes that we are not very familiar with, even the ones that are less, lesser known to us, we can learn something from them. And I hope that maybe over the course of the next few weeks, before we do this again, about a month from now, you might have a chance to pick up Daniel. Some of you have your own personal reading programs, and that's, that's fine, a schedule that you go through. But may you think about the book of Daniel tonight, the rest of this week, and maybe in the coming weeks. Take comfort in the historical section. Take comfort in the prophecy that is there, because it is encouraging for us, and we can learn a lot from what is written there. As we conclude this lesson, we extend heaven's invitation. Maybe there's something from the book of Daniel. Maybe there's something we said this morning. Maybe it's something that you've thought of or been dealing with in your own mind that's pricked your heart, caused you to think about the things of this world, and more importantly, the things of God and his word. Maybe you're here this afternoon and you're not a Christian. You're not a child of God. We'd be singing to encourage you that you would put Christ on in baptism, coming in contact with his blood that washes away sins, so that you can be added to the church by the Lord. Maybe you're here and you've done that, but you've wandered away, you have sin in your life, that you're struggling with, that you'd like to make known in a public fashion this afternoon. Maybe it's something else that you're struggling with, that you would like your family here to know about, to encourage you through those things. We're thankful for this opportunity that presents itself. If you need to become a Christian, if you need to come back to him, if you need the prayers of the church, we'd be singing to encourage you as we stand together and as we sing.